Well, welcome back to Man Challenge. This is your host, Bill Search. I'm flanked by a couple of our friends here. Michael, Brett. We're so glad to be here. How are you guys? Hey, I'm excited. This is going to be a great day. All right. Well, we're talking today about the characteristics and qualities of the men Jesus surrounded himself with. This is a brand new series we just launched in Man Challenge, and over the next handful of podcasts, we're going to have this conversation right here amongst the three of us. And as we kicked it off this morning, I asked a question, and here's the question. Uh, Could be a real story, could be a fictional story. What is your favorite origin story? Well, I'm I'm gonna go and this this out. I'm gonna out myself completely right here. Um, it's Star Wars. And I love uh, yeah. I love how in growing up seeing the story of Darth Vader, where you catch it in the middle, you always wonder, man, what what made him turn? You know, they always alluded to him being being good Jedi, and what made him turn? And and as much as maybe you don't like the first trilogy. Um, or you know, some people. It, it was interesting to go back through and kind of see that that storyline and and how it got to where it was. Sure. And so it's a great way to kind of even tell the story is you start in the middle and you have to go back and see it. So that was a great origin story oh, of seeing. That's a good one, Darth Vader. That's a good one, Brett. That is a really good one. Yeah, because uh, I was thinking through this and I was like, hey, I think Darth Vader might be a great one. Yeah, but, so I still uh, yours. But that's Darth okay yeah. because there's yeah. a bunch of origin stories. There's a lot stories, of origin right? stories. So, yeah. um, Superman. Oh yeah. Right, yeah. just uh, just that that the superpowers that he had, and it, it's just it just baffles my mind how truly that uh, that society actually he's the only one, yeah, you know, or yeah. was at one time, you know, the so. only Kryptonian, Kryptonian. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Krypton, Krypton, he's from Krypton. You know, it's funny. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to uh, we had this record of a radio show of the Lone Ranger. And it was the origin story of the Lone Ranger. And much to my sadness, uh, they've done two motion pictures of the Lone Ranger, one in like the late 70s, early 80s, and then one not too long ago. And both were garbage. But the Lone Ranger is like one of the great Western heroes of uh, Western fiction and the origin story of a Texas Ranger who's uh, ambushed with the other Rangers and he's the only guy left alive barely and Tonto nurses him back to health and then he becomes a warrior for justice hiding behind his uh his mask it's a terrific story yeah. like i said the movies have totally ruined it but the the old radio show which is out there somewhere i'm sure you could google it was it just it was so stinking cool as a kid i'd listen to that thing over <laughs> and over and over i would watch the black and white version of those. yeah i remember oh, that. So I yeah remember when those that. yeah those those were actually the cheesy black and white are better than the motion pictures the motion pictures oh oh they're horrible i'm so, gonna throw another one in oh what about batman oh yeah wow oh yeah yeah but not uh-huh. batman himself um in the batman begins movie or dark knight i just remember them teasing the story of the the origin story of joker oh and sure. i loved yeah. how that movie actually yeah. you know he never he, he yeah. would say something but it would be something different every time which yeah. made you want to know even more of what what made that sure yeah, so that's a good one. That that's a non-origin story yeah. is that you you never actually get it from that one, but right. you, you want it. So. Uh, that's the beauty of comic book stories yeah. is they can have multiple origins and different ones, and you just sort of enjoy it. Yeah. Well, there's a point to the question, um, and hopefully, as you've been listening, you're thinking of your favorite origin 
story, and maybe you've already said it out loud to yourself as you're listening, but but uh, we're talking about the characteristics and the qualities, the men that Jesus surrounded himself with. And in particular, we're looking at the origin story of where he, where he got them. And so this is sort of like, uh, you know, when you think about the origin story of the men that Jesus surrounded himself with, one of the challenges is to... Uh, uh, yeah, don't don't mind that. If that's coming over the recording, we're in a construction zone, and we're just going to talk over it. If you don't, <laughs> if you can't hear what I uh, what I just heard, then just well, it's that's for free. It almost sounds like my daughter's clarinet playing. Oh yeah, yeah. We've got yeah. a clarinet in the house. I really thought that was an oboe for a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's like an origin story yeah. of Yo Yo Ma. Yeah, you know, where you where it, great musicianship starts from. Yeah. Then so. hopefully we can cut this part yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I say leave it because you know. <laughs> This like makes it more an authentic experience. I mean, yes. cut it out if you want to, okay. but I'm good with it. Here we go. So anyhow, the origin of of you know how Jesus went recruiting for the guys, you know, it, depending on which gospel you start with, you might start if you started in, for instance, the Gospel of Mark. It just there's Peter and some guys and they're fishing, and Jesus says, "I want to teach from your boat," and then that's the beginning of him recruiting those guys. Uh, drop your nets, I'll make you fishers of men. But that's not really, that, that's probably a year or so into the recruitment of the disciples. They've already spent time together. It's like Mark Mark is telling a story as, uh, as it's already unfolding. He's in chapter four of a longer story, kind of like, uh, you know, you just mentioned the, the Star Wars origin story. If you grew up in the late 70s, you, you start out with Darth Vader as he is. My son grew up with Darth Vader as like little Anakin Skywalker. So, you know, right. the mystery of it was all gone for him. But anyhow, I digress. So I wanted us to start with John the Baptist. And the next time we get together as a podcast, we'll explain what this has to do with it all. But John the Baptist is part of the origin story of the call of Jesus' closest followers, the disciples that surrounded him. And just to be clear, John the Baptist isn't the John who wrote the Gospel of John. I was confused by that for years. And uh, John the Baptist isn't the John mentioned amongst the 12 disciples. John the Baptist plays a different role. And so I just want to read, uh, this is in Matthew 3, and it starts out, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who has spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of the one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and honey. All right. So let me just stop there. Guys, what do you, like when you picture John the Baptist, I mean, what comes to mind here? I I picture this, uh, this skinny guy that is, you know, uh, huge beard, right? Straggly hair. And when I think about the belt, I don't think about it going around his waist. I almost think of it as a sash. Oh, yeah. Like a leather sash holding on. Bandolier, like Chewbacca's bandolier, keeping with our Star Wars uh, metaphors. I like the idea of him being being thin, too, because I always thought, because you're not going to get fat on on locusts and honey, Uh, for sure. (laughs) Not so much. You know, and, and I actually, when I picture him mentally, it's Fred Flintstone. Oh, and Fred Flintstone. Fred, Fred you know, huh. the, with, the, yeah. with the camel hair coat. And 
like sure. you know, yeah, growing yeah. up with a flannel graph yeah. um, in the church. Yeah. That's kind of how he was always depicted. Just kind of wild and crazy. But yeah. I actually had a new idea. Is that oh? have you ever had a camel hair coat? Like that's a yes. nice coat. It is. Yes. A nice that's coat. a really nice. You're coat. right. And you know the things that sound most disgusting are usually like a delicacy. I'm wondering, oh. could locusts and honey have been like a delicacy? Hey. And like he had a leather belt. So I mean, like he right. he might have been. Uh, this is it, purely it could have been big <laughs> I was not sure about that. I, it's hard to imagine at any time in history, people. Uh, the honey, I'll give you. Like, hey, I live on honey. Well, you must be rich, but especially Works for back Winter the then. Pooh. Yeah. Exactly. Oh dear. Oh dear. Wow, that was very edifying. Thank you, Michael. You're welcome. Okay, so moving right along. So we've got a description of this guy who's pretty rugged. He's an outdoorsman. He's got either a uh, either a J. Crew camel's hair sport jacket. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, and probably not to Fred Flintstone. Mm. But he's he's a rugged looking dude. And it says people went out to him, went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. So it's like, you know, Jerusalem's not that far away. He's got day trippers. And then Judea, it might have people that are like, eh, it might be an overnighter. Right. And then it's like the whole area of the Jordan. These are people who are like, I'm taking the week off, and I'm going to go down and hear this John the Baptist guy. But look what they what it says they do. Verse 6, um, and they come down there, and it says, confessing their sins, they're baptized by him in the Jordan River. Have you ever been to like a, I, I mean... I guess you call it a revival or something, but have you ever been somewhere where you where people have publicly confessed their sin? Oh yeah, no, I've never done that before. I have actually never seen that no. myself. It, I mean, like we read this. Sometimes you read stuff in the Bible and you're like, oh yeah, that sounds really great. But just imagine the scene. Right. There's people coming from all over. They get there, and John apparently is like preaching fire, and people are convicted. And they're like, hey, uh, before I get baptized, uh, I need to tell you, I moved the boundary marker between my land and my neighbor's land, and I've been plowing half an acre of my neighbor's land for the last 10 years. You know, like, I mean, you just imagine, now that's like, you know, we might kind of shrug at that one, but think about all the differences. Just as you're listening to this podcast right now, imagine the thing or things you have never told anybody about and imagine confessing that publicly. So Michael, you go first. What have you never shared? Pub- no, totally yeah, kidding. How much time, you, how much time <laughs> you got? I'm totally kidding. I'm uh, totally I was sweating here for a second. <laughs> that's a nice, that's a good icebreaker question. If you're in a small group for your next small group, Hey, what have you never told anybody that you'd be so Deepest, darkest secret? Go. Yeah. yeah. It makes me think about the, the scene in the Goonies when they tell Chunk, tell us everything. Where do you want to start? Start from the beginning. It's like first, and he goes yeah. way, way back. <laughs> they could, they could have been there for a long time. Cause I've been I, there. Yeah. For a long time. No, you know, it's it's it it's fascinating when you think about it because it's so seldom done. I when I was in graduate school, there was like a revival that hit my Christian college. And it was the only time I've ever seen and heard people confess in sin. And that was wild. I mean, people were confess it wasn't like they weren't confessing like I thought of a bad thought or I I gossiped the other day. I mean, it was real deal kind of stuff. And, uh, and so here's these people and they're, they're, it's for real. In other words, they're not just going for entertainment and show. There's a sting of conviction here, meaning the people who are purposely going to John 
they're going for a spiritually renewing experience. Like whatever it is that draws them there, the spirit meets them there and starts to perform heart surgery and they respond. And uh, that's powerful. But uh, just as uh, just as like anything, when like the like the like the sensitive people show up, there's another group of people show up. And I just want to read this to you. And I would love your thoughts on these guys. Verse seven. But when uh, John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into fire. Thoughts? Well, I mean, obviously he he had some history with these guys and, and yeah. knew who they were. And I think it's a big call out on, yeah. on, on them. And I think the biggest thing is he knew that they weren't there to come and be part of the repentance, um, to, to be a life change. They were yeah. probably there. And this is just my speculation. Um, they were there to probably catch John or try to twist something to where he would be in trouble with, with the, the legal system. And, um, I I think that the, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees are just, they're just terrible guys. I mean, just terrible people. (laughs) And I love to hate on them. But when I start to think about it is that the, the more you're around church and the the more you start to play that game and you start to get into some of those you behave a lot like uh, a pharisee or a yeah. sadducee is that you you start to you start to lose the awe you start to work the system mm-hmm. you start to to rest on laurels and you, before before long you look around and you're like wait I am one of those guys yeah. Yeah. and right. and I think right. that um, that can be really really tricky if you've grown up in the church if you've been yeah. around it for a long time well my parents and their grandparents and yeah. um you have this long history of that that you're not actually engaging and and looking and seeking God at all, yeah. and um, so it's it's easy to hate on these guys, and and I love the the perception and the the energy and just the the, the way that John calls them out um, in this, and so I think that that, that all that so you, you see it it's really easy just to hate on them, but when when I see Pharisees and Sadducees, it's the people that have been around church too long that are no longer awe inspired by God. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I the only thing I have to add is the I just love the 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 words he uses here here with, you know, uh, produce good fruit or you're going to be cut down. Like he already has the axe ready at the root. Yeah. yeah. Right? Saying, you know, let's see it or yeah. I'm just going to yeah, chop this thing down. Mm-hmm. Just bring yeah, it down. you know it is interesting because we do love to hate on these guys. You know, we do. I mean, they they end up being the keystone cops of every like New Testament story. Like, you know, you almost kind of picture them like a train of guys that the first guy stops and then everybody bumps into him, you know? <laughs> and, but the truth is, is that there was this side to their whole worldview that made a lot of sense. You know, they looked back at their own history and thought the only way to get rid of Rome, Rome's too powerful. We can't get rid of Rome just by our sheer strength. The only way we can do it is if we impress God with our religiosity. If we become the super duper faithful people God has called us to be, then God supernaturally will push these people out, raise up Messiah, and we will be good to go reestablishing our 
you know, religious kingdom and uh, we'll get this impurity out of the land, which totally made sense. Like, if you think about it that way, so their whole deal was like, we need to bring spiritual renewal to the country so that as a result of spiritual renewal, God will restore our country. And you can almost, as I say that, you can almost hear like 21st century talk of church people. Mm-hmm. You know, I there's a verse in Chronicles that's not to America, but it is to Israel. And it says, you know, if my people who are called by my name will turn to me and, you know, turn from their sins, uh, I'll restore, I'll heal their land. And I've, I've seen memes of that. I, I you know... If, in fact, if you're listening to the, this right now, and you you might have been like, I've posted that meme. Bill, are you saying I shouldn't? <laughs> well, the problem is, is that, that that verse is not written to church-attending Christians in the United States of America. That's written to the nation-state of Israel in an ancient Israelite culture. So it doesn't really apply to us, much like there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that that sort of was first applied to a different group of people. So anyhow, the Pharisees that that like that was probably their life verse of that that Chronicles <laughs> verse was probably that was their life verse. Like right. if we can get these people, these thick neck people, to turn from their sins, uh, then then God will restore this land. And I kind of wonder if when the people are confessing sin, the Pharisees and Sadducees are like, "Well, this is good. It's a good start. It's a good start. John's doing a good work." I mean, he might they might have been there to trip him, but I almost wonder were they there like. I like this guy. He's making these we- these wicked people be less wicked. And then he turns to them, and they're expecting... I-, I just picture them expecting John to go, you guys are the best. But instead, he's like, and the next group of wicked people on the hillside are the Pharisees. And uh, as you would expect, the Pharisees didn't appreciate that. Right. That did not... They did not appreciate that. And... Uh, you know, if you know John the Baptist's history, his dad was a priest, and we know that from Luke two. Luke is uh, Luke. Luke tells us, uh, or Luke one, I think. Um, you you, uh, you you get the story of Zachariah. He's he's pulled the lucky straw, and he gets to go into the holy of holies and do his bit, which means he was a Levite. He was a priest. He was probably a priest that served a rural community outside in Judea, and so John is the son of a priest. John doesn't go to preschool. Huh, right. That was funny. Preschool. <laughs> Preschool. <laughs> and uh, sorry about that. That was pandering. Uh, but he doesn't go to, uh, he doesn't go to that. He, 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 he sort of takes an unconventional path and he becomes a firebrand preacher out in the countryside. So there's two different groups of people that are going there to see John. One is like religious people. Maybe they're there for a show. Maybe they're there to be affirmed. And then there's another group of people that go, yeah, my, I don't know why I'm here, but all I know is this guy's offering something. Mm-hmm. He's offering something. So, so when you when you think about that, is is part of the of the origin of the disciples. Um, let's talk about the first group, the the group of people that were confessing sins. What would inspire you to go see a guy like a John the Baptist? What would it be about that guy or about your life that would make you go, I got to get down to the Jordan and hear this guy? Wow. I don't know. I, th- I think about you're going to have to be really hard-pressed. Um, you, you, 
and not necessarily back against the wall, but maybe just dissatisfied with the status quo of what's going on. You're, yeah. you're looking for something that, that has more meaning um, and, and more value. And I'm sure that the people that, that were in John's crew had lived lives that yeah. were um, free from some of the things that, that these people were burdened with um, sure. looking to, to get away from. And it's amazing to think about how the the burdens we carry, the things that we don't share with other people, um, are right. heavy. They're yeah. really, really heavy as as we go around, and it's wild in in the way that that confession yeah. is a way to continue to to ease yeah. that burden, and it doesn't make it completely go away, but it eases that burden. So I yeah. think that um, you know, like your reference, I've been plowing my neighbor's half yeah. acre. Is probably something that could keep you know, think about those things that are keeping people awake at night. Things yeah. that keep you awake at night. Yeah. What is it? You know, is, if if you're waiting for the IRS to come down on you, or for um, something you've got hidden in your life that you know, if if that gets pulled out, the rest of the pyramid just crumbles. Yeah, um, those are those things that that keep people away. And and what's really interesting is is how how slowly we are to to right those wrongs yeah. and to and to confess yeah. them and we know we know the sooner we do the better it's going to be or in in the opposite is the longer we wait the worse it will be mm. but what type of people were these that were coming down to confess their sin were these unchurched or un- people that didn't know anything well, about the bible or anything about it's a great question you know this is so there's two ways to answer that the honest way of answering that is, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, the text doesn't tell us. Right. So that's honest. I mean, you know, and I think that we always have to be very aware of what the Bible actually says, not what we wanted to say or fill in the blanks right. with our imagination. So answer number one is, well, we, we just aren't told. Right. But there's another answer, too, which is sort of more latent, and it's not in the text, which is... This was uh, a people that were a religious people, and we do know from sources of the time that many people, maybe most, maybe all, maybe some, this is that's the part that we just kind of shrug our shoulders and don't know a lot about, is these are people that, that had access to a synagogue. Every little Jewish community in that area would have had synagogues. Right. There were synagogues wherever there was 10 or 12 Jewish men that could form a little gathering of men. And uh, and so they would have probably been people very familiar with the Bible, but they're not people who would have had a Bible in their home. Right. That would have been only the wealthy. So they would go to the synagogue where someone would read from the scroll. The little kids might go to like a synagogue type school where they'd memorize scripture, but we really don't know. That's a good question, Brett. I think it'd be safe to say that if they lived in Jerusalem, Judea, and the surrounding areas, they would be very, very familiar with Jewish culture at Very likely. Which is going to have a lot of the cultural rituals, which includes a lot of those laws that we'd find in the first five books of our Bible. Yeah. Um, and so they'd be very, very familiar with that. And I think also, too, you'd be very, very familiar in the fact that those laws were very difficult to follow. So they're yeah. not, they weren't like church shopping, right? They weren't. Like, no, so no, they, you're yeah. not going to, you're not like, it's, it's not like John the Baptist was competition. 
this is actually, Michael, you said something that I think that uh, it, it, this, is, uh, it, this is a group of people that there's, they, they have a need for more. That's not the exact thing you said, but but it's it's the heartbeat I think of if I understand what you're getting at there is that this is a group of people that uh, things aren't either working the way they need to work in a person's life, or maybe they are very faithful going to synagogue. Maybe right. every Passover they head to Jerusalem and go to the temple, but but there's still this inner yearning. Like, is that it? Right. Mm-hmm. Is that all there is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think about it's impo- it's entirely possible to hang around church and kind of kind kind of do the church thing and God might be whispering in your ear I I I I have something more for you. Right. Right. And so there's something that that happened in the lives of these people whatever it was that made them inspired them if you will to head to where John was preaching. And when they got there, like a surgeon with a scalpel, John, through the power of the Spirit, is able to perform a heart surgery, and the people, the right people, respond. Right. And so, uh, you know, like I said, this is an origin story, and the next time we're together, I'll explain how this is an origin story of the early followers of Jesus, like what that has to do with, with the disciples. And so we'll get to that next week or the next time you tune into this podcast. But uh, I want us to just close with that idea. Uh, and it's the question we could all wrestle with is, is you know, what is, what's God saying to you? That is, uh, you've, you've kind of entered into maybe a spiritual lull where you're doing the right stuff. But maybe what God's saying is, yeah, I have something more in store for you. There's a deeper challenge I want you to accept. There's another component of your... You, you, you're you doing a great thing, except you move that boundary marker. I know it, you know it, no one else knows it. But we need to deal with that. And so that's where I will land for today. Uh, guys, any last uh, comments, smart remarks? No. I, I think Not that, for me. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it would be good to go through and kind of look um, at some of these scriptures in the early gospels um, yeah. on on John the Baptist and yeah. to kind of see some of the things. And what I do like about kind of thinking um, abstractly and put yourself in that position, put yourself in the culture yeah. to try to think through some of the, the emotions. And I like to, you know, th- this seems like so long ago. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't even have the internet back then. And it's like, how yeah. could they know and how could we experience yeah. some of these things? Well, it's super relevant because they were they had the, in, the same intelligence that we have today. Yes. They may not have the same access to the, to the right. knowledge, but they would go through some of those same emotions that, that what we have. So go yeah. through go through and read that. Put yourself good. in those, good. those places and positions. And I always think about... Um, the the law. Think about the laws that these people are are, yeah. are following. And the one thing I always think about is people that come uh, to Jesus, or you'll even see scripture say, "I am righteous. I have followed the letter of every <laughs> single law." 
Yeah. And, and I think about, you know, we look at our own lives and, and um, I know I can't say that about myself and right. I don't know anybody that actually would. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that it puts us in that that category and, and you know, think think hard. What What is it that keeps you up at night or what is it that, that makes you feel um, trapped or not moving in the right direction? Yeah. Um, because in, in Christ, we find freedom. Yeah. Um, and, and so think about what are those things that you need to be freed from? Good word. All right. There's where we'll land the plane for today. Thanks for tuning in to the Man Challenge podcast. I've been your host, Bill Search. This is Michael Foster. Great to be with you guys. Brett Williams. We'll see you all later. All right. Until next time.